0: that resurrection, there would have been no good Friday. It would have been a tragic Friday. Without that resurrection being the, the other side of the coin of His death, burial, and resurrection, we would not have the Christian church today. And we talked about the importance of the evidences that come forth from looking at the resurrection. Historically verified. Historically understood, but also declared in Scripture. A passage in First. Corinthians 15 that I didn't look at, that I didn't go on into following verse 11, Paul talks again about what is at stake in the resurrection of Christ. He says in verse 12, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. He goes on and talks about there at the end. He said, if Christ, in verse 19, if Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are of all people most pitied. In other words, if we have staked our faith and we have staked our preaching on something that really isn't true, the old saying, well, if, if, if what is it harm does it do to believe it in this world, even if it's not true? There's a lot of harm, Paul says. Because Paul says, I want you to understand, the resurrection is absolutely true. It's absolutely essential. And it's absolutely central to everything having to do with the gospel of Christ. So as we come to that, we want to think about what are the results of that essential event in all of history? What does it mean for you and me that Christ is raised from the dead? If you will, look with me at, at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 And we're going to start reading in verse 8. Our main text is going to be verses 10 through the first part of 14. But I want us to start in verse 8 with reading. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Because this is how the Apostle Paul starts this statement to young Timothy. And remember, this is Paul's last epistle. Paul is getting ready to leave this world. It says at one point, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I know that my life is coming to an end. And this is what he wants Timothy to remember. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember the resurrection, Paul says to Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, read that for the sake of the church, God's people, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with Him, we also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Then the first phrase of verse 14, Remind them, that is the church, remind them of these things. The Apostle Paul, in this little epistle, is telling Timothy his final, last will and testament, if you will. He starts out by, and I won't read the passages, but he starts out... In, verse, in chapter 1, by just saying, guard the gospel. The gospel has been entrusted to you. Guard that gospel. In, in chapter 2, he talks about suffering from, for the gospel. And that whole first part of it, he talks about be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Be in the battle. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Then in chapter 3, he says, continue in the gospel. There are gonna be many people who are gonna fall away. There are gonna be false prophets and false teachers who are gonna rise up. And folks, we live in a day of false teachers and false prophets galore. And, and Paul says, don't listen to them. Know that they're just a sign that the gospel must go forward. And so then in that last part of chapter three, he says, you continue in the gospel. You continue in what you have been taught and what you have believed. You continue in the truth of the gospel that's based upon the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And then in, verse, in chapter 4, rather, he just gives him that great statement, preach the word, preach the gospel, take it out to the uttermost parts of the earth, take it out to the ends of the earth, until all have heard that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the descendant of David, has risen from the dead. That brought Paul a lot of trouble in his life. Part of the reason he's where he is, Paul is writing from a prison cell. He makes that statement clear there in uh, in verse nine. He said, "For this gospel, this resurrection, this gospel that I preach, from which for which I am suffering, bound with chains, as a criminal." Paul says, "I am in jail. I'm in a dingy dungeon." Not because I tried to overthrow the government, not because I killed anyone, not because I was a thief, not because I blasphemed. I'm here by Gentile people, the Romans, because I declare the gospel. Because I declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, dead and buried and raised again. There was no no place in cultural thinking in Paul's day for that kind of an attitude. Dare I say there's no place in cultural thinking in the 21st century apart from the church of Jesus Christ for that kind of thinking? It it seems absurd that that a man would die on a cross and and be buried in in the grave covered by a large stone, his tomb, And three days later, he would come out alive and he would convince a multitude of people that he is alive in a resurrected, glorified body. what, what What a thing to believe. I mentioned that one of the evidences last week of the resurrection is the fact of those who believed and were ultimately martyred for their faith. All the apostles, with the exception of the apostle John, perhaps, who was exiled to Patmos, All the apostles suffered a martyr's death. Beyond the apostles, many in the early church suffered suffered a martyr's death. In the 21st century, many are suffering martyr's deaths in parts of the world because they dare proclaim Jesus Christ as risen. That maybe doesn't give you a lot of hope, but it should. That those people are dying for something that has affected and changed their lives. Those people are dying not for something they made up or something that somebody told them or something that's just a fanciful theme. It's a reality, a reality historically and a reality personally. Paul said, I'm suffering for this gospel that declares Christ risen. I like the way he ends that verse. He says, for I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but... But the Word of God is not bound. The Word of God continues to go forth. That's kind of the way the book of Acts ends. If you remember that last verse in the book of Acts, it's kind of open-ended. It said, and in that day, many were dying, many were being killed, many were being persecuted for their faith, but the gospel of Christ continued unhindered. It's the final word of the book of Acts. It continues unhindered. That was almost 2,000 years ago that Luke wrote that at the end of the book of Acts. And here we are in the 21st century, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is still going forth, still going uh, unhindered, because it is not bound by prison cells. It is not bound by chains. It is not bound by coronavirus. It is not bound by our suffering, whether it comes from natural things, like sickness and pestilence and earthquake and what we call natural disasters, for suffering from those, it is not bound by suffering that might come from persecution that Paul is experiencing here. That ought to bring us great glorious hope in that resurrection truth that Paul is seeking to proclaim here. It's a glorious declaration of the truth of the resurrection that leads Paul to talk about the significance of the resurrection over and over and over in every one of his epistles. If you look back to the passage that Pastor Todd, uh, our, our senior pastor designate, read during our, uh, during our uh, hearing the Word this morning, Paul talking in, in, the, in Romans chapter 5, he, he talks about suffering there. And he says, our suffering will lead to the glory of God. Our suffering will lead to our patience. Our suffering will lead to our endurance. And that endurance will give us hope. And all of that is based on the fact that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. If there is no resurrection, there is no purpose in suffering. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope of eternal life. If there is no resurrection, there is no hope that Christ is with us and Christ is in us. And Christ is giving us what Paul told the Philippian Christians was that power of the resurrection. Remember that? In writing the Philippians, Paul said, this is my goal. This is my desire. This is my passion in life that I may know Him, that I may know Christ. And the, the way he uses that word there, I won't get into technical on you, but, but it means that I may know Him better and better and better, knowledge upon knowledge, growing knowledge of Christ, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. A resurrection power that is growing every day in a believer's life as we pursue Him, as we walk with Him as we see Him, as we sang that first grade hymn, as our vision. The one through whom we see life. The one through whom we see our world and our culture and our worldview, our way of viewing what is out there, whether it be politically or medically or spiritually, is viewed through the eyes of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our resurrected Lord. He talks about the significance of the resurrection. He talks about a glorious declaration of the resurrection. And then he says, I want you to see the results of this, Timothy. The result of it in my life is that I'm suffering here in a prison, but the gospel goes forth. The thing is, I'm here in a prison. And again, as he told the Philippian Christians, chained to the Praetorian Guard, chained to the Roman soldiers, and yet, I send you greetings, he says, at the end of that book from, from all the saints here in Rome, especially those of Caesar's household. They thought they had Paul in a place where the gospel would be shut up. What do you think Paul was doing as he was chained there to a Roman soldier on a six-foot chain every single day and every single night around the clock? You think he was talking about the weather? He was talking about the gospel. He was talking about the glorious resurrection of Christ and what that means to a person's life who embraces that and who confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. He's telling these soldiers and they're rotating out of Paul's cell back into Caesar's palace and when they go back in there they're telling people even in Caesar's very family you may, let me tell you what this man told me down in the dungeon. Let me tell you what this prisoner, this, this Jew told me about this one Jesus Christ who died as a sacrifice for sins but is raised from the dead. And you know what? I believe He is Lord. Those in Caesar's household began to believe also. And so Paul can say to the Philippian Christians, I send you greetings from all the believers in Rome and especially those from Caesar's household. Yeah, it was probably Caesar's servants, many of them, Caesar's soldiers. but I think even some of Caesar's own family was hearing the gospel. I know they were hearing it and were even believing and coming to faith in Christ. So he's talking about, Timothy, the, the resurrection has made a difference in my life I want you to tell the church there at Ephesus where you're pastoring and ministering, I want you to tell them about the resurrection and what, it, what difference it makes in their lives. And, you know, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead to your congregations there in Ephesus. And I want you to let them know that it makes a difference in their life. And keep preaching that until the Lord comes. That's why we preach that here at Grace. That's why we we don't buy into any kind of false theory that tries to deny the resurrection. We believe the resurrection to be historically and biblically true, prophesied by the prophets, declared by the apostles and by Christ himself, and believed by the church today, and proclaimed without apology and without fear. So he goes on. He says, here's the trustworthy saying. Now, verses 10, 11, and, uh, excuse me, 11 12, and 13 are probably a part of what might have been an early creed and probably sung probably sung by the early church. We don't have the music to it or we would sing it this morning. But it was something that they were committing to their, to their lives, committing to their memories, committing to their belief system. Paul is declaring something here that is trustworthy and true, he says. And Timothy, I want you to remind the people there over and over and over about this. Four lines. He says, this trustworthy saying is this. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Now, the passage that Pastor Todd read from Romans chapter 5 is a, is a significant passage on our dying to self, dying to sin, and coming alive unto Christ. And I think that's a part of what Paul is talking about here. That's why I had... Pastor Todd, read that. There is that reality of when we are in Christ, there is a a resurrection power that enters our life and we die. We we picture that in baptism. That's why, you know, believers' baptism is such a beautiful picture of the Christian life. We have trusted Christ. We confess Him as Lord. When someone stands in that baptistry back there, the question we ask them, who is Lord of your life? And they confess with their mouth, it's Jesus Christ. And then we baptize them, carrying them into a watery grave, symbolizing that they have died with Christ and died to self and died to the effects of sin and the punishment of sin, the penalty of sin. And then they are brought, we don't leave them under the water. We bring them up out of the water alive, signifying their resurrection in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are raised with Him, the Apostle Paul says. And then he talks about all the glory that comes from being a resurrected believer, redeemed, regenerated, born again, however you want to put it, in the Lord Jesus Christ. The water doesn't do that. The water merely testifies to what has already taken place in a believer's life. So Paul is definitely thinking about that at one level in this passage, But I think he's also talking about what he's going through. If we have died with him, that is martyrdom. If we have to suffer the ultimate suffering, and that is dying because of our faith in Christ, then we will live with him. There's the glorious hope of glory, there's the glorious hope of being with Christ, being absent from the body and being at home with the Lord. So there's a, almost a double meaning here I think the apostle wants to see in that first line of that creedal hymn that they would sing in Paul's day. If we have died with him now, we will live with him now. For to be, for to be in Christ is, to, is me not living, but Christ living in me. And the hope that we have, we live under the glory of God. So, so I think Paul is saying we die with him, and, and we illustrate that with baptism, And we live with Him in resurrection power every single day until the Lord comes again. But I think he also means fear not. If we have to face martyrdom, a martyr's death, then we need not fear because if we die with Him in this life, for the gospel's sake, we will be made alive. We will be alive. We will be with Him for all of eternity. If we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. Then he says, if we endure, we will also reign with Him. We are a part of His kingdom. And when He comes back to reign over all of His creation, which He does now in a sense, but which He will in totality in the day that He comes again, Paul says, if we endure very much to the end of our earthly life, then we will one day reign with Him as He reigns as glorious King. As he reigns as Psalm 93 says our God reigns he is clothed in majesty he is clothed in righteousness he is strengthened in his own nature in his own being I mean one day we'll see that glorious coming of Christ and we will rejoice in that and we will reign with him that's an effect of the resurrection that's a result of the resurrection no resurrection no reigning no resurrection no life he goes on he says but if we deny him if we deny him he will also deny us how many times have i been asked in my ministry and how many times have you been asked and how many times have you thought well you know if it ever came to it in america where they said we could not confess christ as lord where we had to confess that caesar is lord and Caesar being our government, not literal Roman Caesar, but where we had to say, we're going to bow down, as it were in Daniel's day, to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. We're going to, work, we're going to outwardly express allegiance to a false god, but in our heart, in our, in our soul, in our be- very inner being, we're going to say quietly, no. Christ is Lord. It's almost like you've heard the story of the young boy who's in church. He keeps standing up in a chair and his mother finally makes him sit down and holds him down. And he says to his mother, well, outwardly I'm sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. There's no way that we can outwardly bow to a false god and inwardly serve Christ, worship Christ. But they say, but what if your life is at stake? Well, Paul says, if we die with him, we will live with him. What if they say, you deny Christ right now, as they're doing across much of this world today? Not in the USA, not in some of the other uh, Western nations perhaps yet, but in, in some of the Eastern nations, some of the Middle Eastern nations, they are saying, if you will not deny Christ right now, then you'll be beheaded or you'll be shot. Your life will be taken and, and some ask the question, if it came to that, would it not be better to just say outwardly, okay, I deny Christ in order that I might one day continue to share the gospel. I would still live on this earth. I could secretly share the gospel. Well, Paul seems to think that's not a worthy game. I remember one of the martyrs in England, when they were told to recant their truth about their belief in, in the Reformation gospel, the gospel justification by faith alone and they did recant it before the uh the authorities they were taken out to a public gathering and they said okay repeat your recantation before all these people and as they as he stood before all those people and looked around He preached a glorious uh, sermon about the resurrection of Christ and the lordship of Christ and the glory of justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in in Christ alone. There is no other way. And they burned him at the stake. Rather than deny. I present to you this morning that that brother is with the Lord gloriously this morning. If we deny him... He will also deny us. That would raise the question. I don't have a lot of time to deal with this, but I want to talk about it in just a second. Well, what about if we're a believer? What about if we've been faithful in the church all our life? We, we Baptists believe in the perseverance of the saints, the perseverance of the saints to the very end. We believe that, that, that you know, the old statement, once saved, always saved, which I really don't like because that gives a really false view of what it means to be preserved in faith by Christ. It's not us, it's His, his uh, work that does it. We sing that great hymn, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast, and I believe that is an absolute truth. So what does it mean? If we deny Him, then He also will deny us. Well, it means simply this. The same thing that, Paul, uh, that John said in his first letter. He said, there are many who were with us, who have gone out from us, And they went out from us because they never really were of us. They liked religion. They liked liked being in fellowship with other believers, perhaps, or with believers. But when it came right down to it, whether it was because of a personal uh, infirmity or whether it was because of outward persecution, they said, Eh, we have nothing more to do with it. We deny that Jesus is Lord. I think Paul is saying that there is no assurance for that person in the final day. And it doesn't doesn't say that they got lost again. It just simply says they never were resurrected to newness of life, no matter what they looked like outwardly. If we deny Him, He will deny us. Because if we are faithless... He remains faithful. Now, I think there's a a, a double meaning there, too, almost, if you look at that. If, If we're faithless, I think it goes with those who deny. If we're faithless and we deny Him and we go out and we never were really there, He remains faithful to carry out the judgment that He promises. But Folks, there are times in our lives, there's times in your life and times in my life where we are faithless, where we doubt. Maybe you're doing that during this uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Maybe, you're, maybe your faith is wavering. Maybe you're doubting. And, and, and that's not uncommon today. I, I've talked with many people who've said, I just am struggling with what God is doing. And you know what? I have to admit, I struggle with what God is doing too. I do believe He's doing something. I just don't know what it is exactly. And that's a bit of a faithlessness. I I get a little anxious sometimes, and I bet you do too. The thing Paul wants you to see is even when our faith is weak, not denied, but weak, even when our faith is weak, he remains faithful. I believe there's a truth of the gospel that those who are in Christ, though they struggle with sin, they will always be brought to repentance by God. I believe there's the truth of the gospel that when people waver in their faith, waver in their walk with Christ, he will bring them back. That's the whole statement of Romans chapter 7, I think. That yes, we struggle with sin, but God is the one who delivers us. God is the one who protects us. God is the one who carries us through. In the middle of all of that, he will be faithful. And he will be faithful to the very end. Here's Paul, bound in prison, bound in change, awaiting execution, and he's celebrating the resurrection of Christ and what those results are in your life if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God did indeed raise him from the dead. Paul is bound, going to die very soon, and he's rejoicing in the resurrection how does that happen how does a man waiting an unjust sentence from unbelieving gentiles who, whose hope in this life is to spread the word of god to as many people as possible to minister to as many churches as he possibly can to plant churches all over and now he's in this pr- prison cell that's got to be frustrating to the apostle paul at one level but at a much higher level It's a a reason for rejoicing, because Paul says, I'm bound, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, but the gospel goes forth. The word of God is not bound. Men are preaching the gospel today. That might not be because, Paul says, if I were free to do all the work, I'm in jail, and they are proclaiming Christ. So I want you to see here a couple of things as we close. When Paul starts this out in chapter 10, excuse me, verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of God's church. I want you to see that there there is a passion in that. There is a love in that. There is a compassion that goes beyond just I like the church. Paul says, I go through this so that you who are part of the church might see what it means to be strengthened by the resurrection. Paul says, I do this because I love the church. I pray that every pastor and every pulpit and on every church staff around this country operates out of a resurrected life with a love and a passion for their church that God has made them under shepherds as a part of. Grace Baptist Church, we love you. We're hurting for you during this time of isolation and and quarantine and having to stay socially distanced. We're hurting for you and we love you and we're here for you. But we want to give you the greatest hope of all. It's not that we're a phone call away. Those Christians weren't in Paul's day. They didn't have an iPhone. It's, it's not that they could, could go visit Paul from, in Rome when they were maybe in Palestine, in, in Israel, or, or other parts of Judea. It, it wasn't that they could, they could just talk to him, as we can today. But I want you to understand, we want to encourage you, not in just a conversation, we want to encourage you to remember the resurrection, because it changes lives. That's the gospel. That's the... Epitome of the gospel that changes lives. Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And then in verse 14, he says, Remind them, talking to Timothy, remind them of these things. What is the greatest love that I can give to you? Whether you're a part of Grace Baptist or you're watching just by accident, you might think, today, what's the greatest hope I can give you? It's that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is alive. He's not in a tomb. He's alive. And He can change your life this morning. As you put your faith and your trust in Him. As you say to Him, Lord, I need Your grace. I confess You as Lord of my life. I give up my life. I give up my possessions. I give up everything that I hold dear to and find security in. And I place my trust and my security in You. In the face of persecution in the face of coronavirus i confess you as lord and i believe in my heart that the gospel is true that you have raised from the dead i believe that lord i ask you father to save me paul says listen it's based on his love for the church but he's also motivated by a desire for their salvation to be manifest He said in verse 10, he says, I I do it for the sake of God's church, God's elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, I want them to know, Timothy, not just what it means to walk with Christ now, but what it means to be with Christ in glory, eternal glory, eternal salvation, eternal life. Begins now, never ends. Has quality now, never ends. What a glorious truth. And so he lives, at least for now, Paul, in order to say, remind your people of this. So I hope that's what we've done this morning. I hope you've been reminded that what we celebrated last Sunday is not a a once-in-a-year thing. But what we celebrated last Sunday is a continuing thing for our good and for his glory, that we might see the glory of Christ in this life and in the life to come. Would you pray with me as we pray together? Father, we sang earlier, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my life. Father, For you to be our vision, we must be in Christ. Save us. Show us. Be our best thought. Be our every thought by day or by night. Lord, let us know your presence. And let that be what gives us light to face darkness in the world in which we live. Father, we trust you for that. We come to you for that this morning. I pray for men and women who are watching that don't know you. I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move in their life right now and show them that Jesus Christ is Lord. Open their eyes to see Jesus and to see their need for a Savior. Open their heart to believe like you did Lydia in the book of Acts. Father, do your work that we might rejoice in your goodness and in your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.